are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. What I'm going to do now uh, is invite you to take your Bibles, go to the Gospel of John. If you're at home, grab your Bibles. I want to, I'm really hoping, I love to hear the pages flip. It's okay, Derek, you can use your app. Open your app. It's okay. As soon as I said that, he looked up. It's okay. It's, uh, I, uh, I find myself, you know, going places, unless I'm teaching, I forget to take my Bible and I'm always like, I'm the preacher grabbing my phone, <laughs> you know, but it's okay. If you have an app, open your app. Um, but if you have your Bible, open your Bible. John chapter one, John chapter one. Um, many of you know, or maybe you don't, um, we are in the middle of a series called Hidden Christmas. We're in the middle of a series called Hidden Christmas, a fresh look at a familiar story. We just started it last week, okay? And there is a, uh, a familiarity to the Christmas story. In this time of year, we talk about it, this time of year, people all over the place People all over the place will have series about it. They'll have teachings about it. They'll have plays about it. You'll watch videos about it. You'll hear people preach about it. Just um, There will be a familiar story shared within the church in this season. It's okay, y'all. It's okay. Y'all do your thing. Y'all, we're up here. It's all right. They're doing their thing. Um, so... It is a familiar story, and we're taking a fresh look at that. Okay, now, uh, we'll be in John chapter 1 today, and, and you might not be thinking, like, hey, we're talking about the Christmas story. Why are we in John chapter 1? Like, why John chapter 1? What's, uh, you know, when we think about the um, the Christmas story, we often think about Matthew and Luke. We think about the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. That's where the quote-unquote Christmas story is contained, okay? And in fact, last week, we were in Matthew chapter 1. We were in the first 17 verses looking at the genealogy of Christ that's contained in Matthew. And what we find right after those 17 verses in Matthew chapter 1, we find more really familiar verses for the familiar Christmas story, okay? Um, if you don't, you don't have to turn there, uh, it'll be on the screen for you um, at home or, or here, but uh, Matthew chapter one, verses 22 and 23 is when um, an angel uh, shows up to Joseph, okay? And, and makes the proclamation that Mary's gonna have a son. Do not divorce her, do not get rid of her. Uh, take care of her, marry her. Um, this is of God. And in Matthew 1, and 23, it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now that's, that's the familiar part. Like we, we, we know that part. We know that part of the story. We are familiar with, you know, the, the proclamation of the angel to Joseph that, hey, you know, this is, this is Jesus. And, and then he, he, Matthew records that this was uh, reiterating the word. This is the, the fulfillment of the prophecy that says that he will be born. You shall call his name Emmanuel. And that is because Emmanuel means God with us. Now, looking at that, says, 
fulfills the word of the prophet. Now, if you're not familiar with it, that's actually a prophecy in Isaiah, okay? The prophet Isaiah. Now, here's, this is, it's, it, it's, it should be wild to us. Now, if you've been raised around the church, maybe it's not real wild to you, but it should be wild to you. Isaiah was written, okay, um, roughly 800 years before Jesus was born. So roughly 800 years before Jesus is born, he is prophesying, he is proclaiming, hey, there is a Savior coming. But the question is, why was Isaiah making that prophecy? Why was he saying that? Now, I'm going to give you this, okay? And so this was actually a lot of fun to research for me, and I hope, it's, um, I hope it encourages you and what I, what I learned. But what's going on in Israel at that time is King Ahaz... All right, the, the, if you are familiar with Jewish history, um, Jerusalem, Israel had uh, split over differences. I know that never happens with the church, right? Okay, so they had split over differences, and what you had is the northern kingdom of Judah and the southern kingdom of Israel. Now, Ahaz is the king of the northern kingdom of Judah, and there is war all around them. And he is wondering, the king is wondering, when will God bring peace to his people again? And that's when Isaiah makes the prophecy, peace is coming. And here's how you know when peace shows up. It is when a baby is born and his name shall be called Emmanuel because it means God with us. That's what he's talking about. That's the prophecy fulfilled in Jesus. Now, Going just a couple chapters later in Isaiah chapter 9, we see him prophesying again. And I'm going to read the first seven verses of Isaiah 9. It'll be up on the screen for you. I want you to follow along with me, please. Isaiah 9 verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For every boot of the tramping warrior is in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now, so far, that might not seem real familiar to you, but now it gets familiar, right? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, what is going on when Isaiah prophesies this? Guess what's going on? The king sees the Assyrian empire growing and their army heading towards Judah. And again, wondering, how will we be delivered from this empire? How will we have peace during this time? And Isaiah pops up again and goes, oh, hey, God's already won that victory. And here's how. A child is born, a son is given, 
and he will bring peace. Now, we know that at that time, the child hadn't been born. We know that these are prophecies quoting, okay, prophesying that Jesus will be born. And then we see in Matthew that they are quoted saying, hey, Jesus is this fulfillment. Now, what I'm going to do today, we're going to get into um, a tough topic. And not tough for me to stand up here and talk about, because if you know me, I don't care, okay? I love y'all. I don't care. We're going to talk about it. But it's tough when we get into the day-to-day kind of grimy muck of life. And we read verses like this where it says that Jesus has come and has brought peace and there is deliverance and he is a light in the darkness and all that. And we go, where is that? Because sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. Okay, so you're in John, okay, John chapter one. And what we're gonna see in John is the fulfillment of these promises. And I'm gonna give you three points. So if you're a note taker, as some of you, I know you are at home in the room, you're a note taker, you're gonna have three quick notes, okay? The first note is we're gonna see a genealogy unlike any other, okay? That's point number one. I know it's like, that's not, Darren, it's supposed to be like real cute, like they all start with the same letter and they're, they rhyme and stuff. I'm not doing that Baptist thing, okay? We're just gonna go with what they actually are, all right? So a genealogy, and unlike any other, a light in the darkness and God in the flesh. A genealogy, unlike any other, a light in the darkness and God in the flesh. So if you have your Bibles open now to John chapter one, let's read the first three verses and you're gonna see the first point, a genealogy unlike any other. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You love the redundancy of those verses, but he gets his point across, right? Okay. A genealogy unlike any other. If you were uh, watching last week on our live stream or you caught it this week sometime, we covered the genealogy in Matthew. And in that genealogy, what we were able to see were some points about how Jesus is king. And, and then we also saw how Jesus had the right to the throne of Israel through his lineage of David. But something else that we saw is we saw the humanity of Jesus. If you look at the genealogy of Matthew and Luke, one traces his genealogy through his earthly father, Joseph, and the other one traces his genealogy through his mother, Mary. So we see that he has a mother and a grandmother and a grandfather and a great-grandmother and a great-grandfather, and we see he has a lineage, a human lineage. We see the humanity of Jesus in those genealogies. But this, in these first three verses... This is a genealogy unlike any other because what it does is it doesn't trace back through people. It just traces back to the beginning. That that Jesus, listen, Jesus has always been here. God the Son has always been here. And when you look at these verses, we are not shown his humanity, but we are actually shown his deity and his divinity. That Jesus is God the Son He is God. So we see through those genealogies in Matthew and Luke, his humanity, but now we're shown this genealogy unlike any other, that he is God. We see Jesus' deity. 
But the next thing we see in verses four and five, look at those with me. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, when I look at those verses, uh, we see a, a light in the darkness, that Jesus is a light in the darkness. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I uh, lived for about eight years in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia in a place called Back Creek Valley, okay? You had to go up over a mountain called North Mountain, okay? And when you think of mountain, I know people, <clears throat> people out in Colorado probably like, that's not a mountain, okay? They're like, that's a really big hill. It's like, okay. Well, we can accept that. You know, it's a really big hill. But it's called North Mountain. It meets all the criteria for a mountain. But you had to go over the mountain, and you were in Back Creek Valley. Well, one of the, uh, the old farmers back in that valley <clears throat> was telling me one time about uh, prior to electricity, okay, um, his family, all right, the family that he, uh, you know, was raised around, was a part of, his family, uh, what they did was they went once a week to town to get supplies. And if you're thinking, okay, there's no electricity, so there were probably no what? There were no cars. There were no roads. All right? There were trails. And they took a wagon with horses pulling it into town to get their supplies. But because of having to go over a mountain and where town was, it was a full day trip. It took all day to do it. And so they got back after dark. So guess what the family would do? They would hang one lantern out on the porch and because of the way of the land, the, the lay of the land, when they came up over the mountain, they could see where their house was because of that torch hung on the porch and they knew the direction to go because in the vast darkness of the valley, they could see that light and head that direction. That's how they got home. But here's what I, I want to make clear today. Jesus isn't like that candle where in the vast darkness, this little light is flickering and you kind of just have to head there and hope you make it. Okay? Jesus, let me give you this example. If I had a candle sitting here right now, if I had a candle sitting here, would you have noticed it? Some no, some yes. Probably wouldn't be dependent on it, right? Why? Because we have these overhead lights that have absolutely lit this room up. And they have shown everything you need to see to see, now listen to this, to see the reality of this room. That candle wouldn't be able to show you the reality of the room. But these lights have... That's the type of light in the darkness that Jesus is. That's why in John chapter 1, further on, it says the light came into the world, but the people rejected the light. You know why? You ready for this? I think we know this, but just we don't really want to see ourselves for who we really are. We don't like the ugliness of our souls. We don't want to be shown those spots in our lives that when Jesus enters, we go, oh, that. People don't want to be told. Why do you think, y'all, why do you think the Bible calls the gospel, for those that are being saved, it is a breath of life. But for those that are perishing, it is the stench of death. People hate the gospel because it exposes 
who we really are. How many of y'all, and you, you don't have to do a raise of hands, maybe at home you can be honest, maybe at home you're still looking like this, let's just be honest, okay? Like, you wake up in the morning, you kind of like stumble into the bathroom, you turn the light on, and you just turn the light right back off. Like, we've all kind of been there like, yep, yeah, nah, we'll just wait. Like, and then you avoid mirrors for the next few hours just to keep waiting, you know? Some of y'all at home, you know you look like that right now, just be honest. You know, if I was home... I have a cup of coffee. That'd be about all that I would have done today, okay? Um, so, but that's, that's what happens, is then that light shines. It's not just this little flickering light like Jesus is struggling to maintain light in the darkness. No, he is a light that has shown in the darkness and exposed the reality of this world and the reality of who we are. And that's when he is called the light in the darkness that is what we are talking about. Now, something I want to make sure that we mention, and just for you to understand, and for me to understand, I, I learned this this week, and it really helped me. Um, notice that it doesn't say that the light, because even, even Isaiah talks about, Isaiah, Isaiah 9 talks about how the light uh, entered the world and, and shone in the dark. And then we see in John chapter 1, you know, the light is in the world. And, and notice that it doesn't say it rose up out of the world. A, a huge rhetoric of our time is that you have the light within you. You just have to find it. You have, to, you have the power within you. You just have to grasp it. You have the ability, you just have to go for it. But the light of Jesus that shines in the darkness that shows reality is that we have nothing in and of ourselves by way of power to save ourselves. The light had to enter the darkness. It didn't rise up, it had to enter. And that's the last point, is God in the flesh. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see that, that the light entered the darkness. If you look at that verse, this is something so cool. Um, if you look at the verse, it says, uh, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know what that word dwelt is? Okay, that word dwelt is actually the same word that we get tabernacle from. So when you look at the scripture, that is saying, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament tabernacle, then you know that after um, the Jewish nation was rescued out of Egypt and they are in the wilderness, that God leads them to establish a tabernacle, it was a temporary dwelling place for him, for his people to connect with him. So he set up and they built, you know, this little, it was actually a whole bunch of curtain rods and curtains and temporary structures because when they would move through the wilderness, they'd tear it back down, pack it up, they'd move to the next place. And that was the first thing they set up. They'd set that up and then they'd camp all around it. And that was their entry point to God. And they would have to go through the steps of entering into the presence of God. And so when this says that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, that means that Jesus was the dwelling place of God, okay? God in the flesh amongst us, and it was a temporary time that he was here. But get this, what he did on the cross, what he did by tabernacling, uh, is that a word, tabernacling? Tabernacling? tabernacling, tabernacling, 
Are we just going to go with it? What he did by tabernacling among us. Okay, we'll just go with it. All right. What he did, this is awesome, y'all. He became our access to God the Father. We don't need a structure anymore. We don't need cleansing rituals to enter the temple and and go deeper into the temple or the tabernacle to come into the presence of God. Jesus became that when he came to earth in the flesh. He tabernacled amongst us. He became our entry. He became our way to God the Father. And that is what we see when it says the flesh, that God in the flesh dwelt among us. Now, we're going, we're going to wrap up with this, and I want y'all to get this, okay? Um, I'm going to cover a couple things real quick, and I mean real quick, and you're going to wish that I'd take, taken more time. I'd taken more time to cover them, but we don't have uh, that much time this morning. I almost, as I was preparing, I was like, this is going to have to be a series all in itself, okay? But here's the deal. When Jesus came and he dwelt among us, he tabernacled amongst us, that is God entering the darkness. And and what we see, listen, there's a lot of darkness around us in a lot of ways. I think most of us are aware of, of the tragedy that has hit the few families up in the Williamsburg area this week. Okay, I'm not going to go into details, but the tragedy that has hit their families. Uh, we, can, we can look back over 2020 and look at the tragedy that has hit um, almost 300,000 people's families with so many deaths. And, and listen, let's talk disease, cancer, okay? Other diseases that are, that are taking the lives of people. And, and then we look at, and I'm just going to touch on this real quick, and I don't mean to upset anybody by saying this, but we look at, you want to talk about a pandemic? Let's talk about the pandemic of abortion that is killing so many lives of children every year. You want to talk about the darkness that is amongst and around our earth and around us. But God entered the darkness. He did not give up on us. He did not walk away and say, I'll start over somewhere else. He entered the darkness. And so a lot of times we look around and we go, God, where are you in all of this? I want to share a quick story, and then I'm going to give you four quick, when I say four quick points, I'm literally going to name them and we'll be done. So don't think like, point number one, turn in your Bibles. Like, I'm not like, we're going to, we're going to get through those kind of quick, but uh, I was listening to a podcast this week. A pastor friend of mine um, in Logan was being interviewed, and he was being interviewed with a member of his church. And this woman, that's the member of his church, she had been raised in a family that practiced witchcraft, and she had then moved into the practice of witchcraft. And she talked about um, that she was followed by a shadow figure pretty much most of her life. And they asked, hey, when did you start seeing this shadow figure? And she said, "Um, actually, my family said they saw it from the time I was born. And then as she got older, she saw it. And, And she said she would have these dreams and she'd be able to tell people things about themselves and about their families and things that were gonna happen. And they're, you know, so they start looking at her like, wow, she's really got some power. And then, listen to this, then somebody shared the gospel 
of Jesus Christ with her. And that light of the gospel didn't just give her a little reference point, start heading this direction. No, the light of the gospel just absolutely broke into her life and started revealing all these things. And she repented of these things and she gave her life to Jesus. And she was sharing her testimony about how Christ has changed her life. And this is, this is something we need to understand. She will still see and hear things. But she's no longer blinded. She knows what they are, and she rebukes them, and she claims the name of Jesus, and she rests in the power of Jesus, and she wars against them. And so with that, I, I think we see the first point. When we talk about darkness, and we look at the things going on around us, and death, and evil, and disease, and we see these things, and we go, you know, God, where are you? I think that story shows us the first thing that we need to remember. Listen, God is still at work. God is still in the work of saving souls and saving lives. I think we see it in the videos we're watching for Lottie Moon. I think we see it in the life of the church all over the world. God is still at work. And then the next thing we have to remember, the same way when Jesus came and tabernacled amongst us, it was, it was a temporary thing. Life is temporary. And a lot of times when we get hit with things, uh, when we see things happen, we, we tend to actually make them so big that they're bigger than life. And we, we, we forget life is temporary. The life to come is eternal. This life goes quick. You know what I always like doing? I'm not going to do it today, but I always like talking to people. When I say this life goes quick, I always like talking to the youngest one in the room and the oldest one in the room. And let the oldest one in the room help the youngest one in the room realize how quick life goes. Next month, I turn 40. That, well, thank you. I appreciate uh, you know, I made it. Hey, well, I haven't made it yet. So let's just, we'll hold the applause until next month. Um, but, but next month, I turn 40. And listen, I don't know how many of y'all, you know, have turned 40. Uh, but when you did turn 40, you're like, I don't feel 40. Uh, I don't feel 40. I don't it kind of, I forget that I'm, you know, getting ready to turn 40. But listen, it's gone quick. The further I get, the more I look back and go, wow, that's gone quick. Kelly and I were talking about it just uh, last week. We got a year and a half left with Luke before he's off to college. Hey, you got kids in the house that are elementary age. You got kids in the house that are younger than that. It'll go quick. It'll go real quick. This life is temporary. This next one, it, I wish we had time to unpack it, but I, I want to just give it to you. So that you can, if you're really interested, you can dig into it yourself. Please research scripture, look online. You can find a lot of good resources from a lot of uh, credible websites. If you need some credible ones, uh, let me know. I'll send you some, um, just ones that you can look at. But we learn in the midst of pain. We learn a lot of things in the midst of pain. I'll share this, and, and I'm going to sound almost, I think, a little, a little sociopathic here for a second, okay? Um, just to be honest with you, uh, back in March, when the pandemic hit, I had a string of thoughts run through my head that just about sent me in a spiral, okay? And what those thoughts were, were, um, it were they were uh, the idea of, okay, this pandemic's going to hit. Are things going to shut down? Are people going to lose their jobs? Are people, now listen, please, like, 
I know some of you say, well, if you care about people, you should stop there. I said a spiral, okay? So people are gonna lose their jobs. Are they gonna stop giving to the church? Is the church gonna shut down? Am I gonna have to try to find a job? And, and if you know me, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm not qualified for much. God called me to this, and this is about where I'm at, okay? But what, what's gonna happen to my family? But in the midst of this spiral, do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm just trying to shoot straight with you. I got excited. Do you know why I got excited? Because in the midst of all that, I was really going to have to learn how to depend on Jesus instead of depending on offerings given to the church or my bank account or credit cards or anything like that. I was going to have to learn. And it started to get me excited to just grow because we've got it easy. To God's glory, he's blessed us with a lot. And we've got it easy. But I, I started getting excited, but we have to realize we learn in the midst of pain. And the last one is God's view is bigger than ours. God doesn't just see everything going on earth right now. Y'all know that, right? God sees what's happened and he's there right now. And God sees what's coming. And he's there right now. He is not bound by time the way we are. He enters into time. But he is not bound by it. He is outside of it. He is in the past, present, and future at all times. We talk about his omnipresent, and we just think, oh, that means you know, he's over in Africa the same way he's here, and he's in England the same way he's over in Ireland. No, no, omnipresent means past, present, future. He is everywhere at all times. And his view is so much bigger than ours. So as we deal with the darkness, the pain, the things going on around us, the Christmas story tells us that he is God. And he is a light in the darkness. And he entered the darkness in the form of a baby 2,000 years ago. He entered the muck and the mire that we had made of all of this. And he did not quit on us. That's what the Christmas story is. And that's what I hope we'll celebrate during this season. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. God, we just want to give you the glory. During this Christmas season, during Advent, Lord, we, we, we just celebrate your arrival. God, I do pray that uh, for those that are going through the darkness in this time, that, that we as your church, church would recognize that we have the light of the gospel to share, that we can step into the dark places for your glory, to see your kingdom grow. You are still working in lives, God, that we would not be just beaten into a corner where we would think that we are helpless and powerless. God, you are not losing your church is not losing. Your church is growing all over the world, Lord. And it can grow here in Greenbrier County, here in West Virginia, here in America, God, if your church would just recognize the power of your gospel and the way that you stepped in the form of Jesus in the flesh, into the darkness, you are the light and we have the power of the light through your Holy Spirit. God, work in us, work through us. It is all for your glory. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.